Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Space Mouse Season 3 and this is your wannabe talk show host Elena Joseph and you're watching Space Mouse Season 3 episode 6. So this month in July we are actually celebrating the second year anniversary of Space Mouse and before we go into today's episode I would like to take a moment to appreciate the journey that we have had in the last 2 years starting from the small clubhouse platform back in 2021 with my colleagues from Aposa and then in 2022 we actually moved out to be a audio and video podcast uh, with my co-host Pooja then and now in 2023 we are back with season 3 and we are almost halfway through this year with uh, a lot of amazing hosts lot of interesting talks and lot of experts as well sharing their wisdom and knowledge about the space sector and what their experiences are in the domain with you all and uh, thank you so much for those people who have supported us who are following us and who have been part of this amazing two years journey it has been a great journey so far and um, thank you so much for making space moms something at least uh so i hope this support will continue and we will grow into a much more bigger family in the future and hopefully we will have more and more seasons in the sector as well anyway moving ahead uh so as always we today also have a very interesting topic to discuss and in the last uh, few episodes of this season we have discussed a lot about the experimental stuff that's happening about space medicine uh microbiology in the space what is happening why do we need to learn about expo- exoplanets things like that but there is a common thread for all those things happening in the orbit let's say like for the space assets that is revolving around the orbit so if you are a space buff you might actually might have gotten an idea about what exactly am i talking about here so if you are not a space buff i will bring you in a easy reference uh, so this movie called gravity where sandra bullock is playing an astronaut who is trying to come down to earth uh, after their space platform got hit by moving space debris while the movie does not actually showcase how scary the situation is it showcases the story of how she is coming back to earth the situation is much worse so space debris is a very hot topic at the moment and it affects all the satellites irrespective of any nation or how much valuable the satellite is or even like what is the satellite doing basically it can be used for military purpose or anything it need not have to be also a satellite it can be anything even the international space station can also be affected by the space debris i think it is already been affected by space debris anyway i'm not going to talk a lot more about what is it and how everything is so today in this episode we are going to talk everything about space debris and for that i'm also happy to mention that for this episode i'm glad to have one of my good friends here as our expert and this is mr anandu krishna from dikantara who will be joining us today and anandu welcome to the show hello there thank you so much for that invite uh, and yeah i'm excited and congrats on your uh, two years of space mouse 
and yeah <laughs> yeah and it's also two years for me at the gantara so it's a good time to do this yeah oh that's great that's great so yeah of course we will have to discuss more about what is the gantara also is also doing in the space debris or what is how are they connected but anyway congratulations for your work anniversary as well it's great and yeah. of course this is one of those times when we both are being so formal with each other <laughs> it's a bit awkward i have to admit but yeah <laughs> So we have been friends. So if you guys don't know, I also interned with the Kantara in last year for three months. So that's when I came to know about Anantu and a few of our friends from the company. And uh, yeah, it has been an interesting journey with this guy over here and uh, really interesting. I will not spill the beans. You don't have to worry. <laughs> yeah. So moving ahead, let's go into the episode today. And I know a lot about you, about how you came into the Kantara, what you're doing here, and also what you were doing before as well. But for the audience, it will be nice and interesting to know more about what you have been up to and also like what you were you what you studied before joining the Kantara and also yeah, what you are exactly doing in the space sector. Yeah, over to you. Okay, so uh, yeah, I'm Anantu and I am right now working as mission design uh, mm -hmm. engineer in Digantara. Uh, and a little bit about me, uh, you know, my background. So I, uh, I grew up in the state of Kerala uh, in India and ever since childhood, I was very much interested in space like most kids are. But then I, I decided to, you know, take it seriously and uh, did aerospace engineering which is like the one of the mm. uh, toughest uh, branches of engineering oh yeah yeah, yeah. So that was one yeah. hell of an experience <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so i did my bachelor's in aerospace from indian institute of space science and technology mm -hmm. and uh, to be honest i was probably not that good at most part of it uh, and was uh, i was only you know interested in some subjects like orbital mechanics uh, mm. and things like that so i, I tend to have you know, I found that I seemed to have an intuition for orbits uh, and I was good at programming. So it just uh, came to me that mission analysis and mission design seems to be the right path for me. So and uh, luckily enough, I got an opportunity at a startup to work on mission design uh, right after my college. And and within a year, I got this opportunity at Digantara. And uh, Digantara, uh, a little bit about Digantara. So what we are building at Digantara is uh, something like Google Maps, but for space. Mm -hmm. Now, just like Google Maps have uh, mapped our cities and the roads and traffic, what we are essentially doing is we are uh, mapping all space objects yeah. and creating an infrastructure layer for navigation in space. So for any activity that happens in space, all kinds of space operations, space tourism, mm -hmm. uh, our uh, solution will act as a foundation uh, to help anyone to move from point A to point B in space. So, yeah. and this involves a lot of, you know, space debris, tracking them and things like that. And I was very much interested in this particular role because uh, even during my college, I have, uh, you know, worked towards one mission mm -hmm. for removing space debris, which was during my first year itself, which was my first mission design exercise that I did during my first year. Destiny. So, yeah it, it felt like that <laughs> so you know the, the dots were connecting very well so I mm. you know I was pretty much interested in that so and yeah it was uh it was fun so yeah yeah I mean that's really amazing what the Kantara is doing to be honest I mean 
Uh, and also space debris, like I mentioned, it's a common threat to every other space satellite or space asset that's revolving around the Earth. And like how these satellites or assets are going around the Earth, the space debris are, is also traveling. And it's it's a dangerous situation, to be honest, especially when all these satellites and uh, assets that we are sending to space like cost us billions and millions of exactly. dollars. Right. You cannot put it on a risk at all. Right. And also, even with sending satellites, people are debating on Earth, why are we sending these satellites? And especially in that kind of a scenario, you cannot risk it. Anyway, right. I'm not going to talk a lot about why this space debris is a very debatable topic at the moment and how is it affecting the space assets. So over to the next question for us today. So why is the concept of space debris so important at the moment and how is it affecting our space assets? Yeah. Okay, so uh, the thing is that if you look at the numbers, so space debris mm -hmm. is essentially any object that we have left in space, right? So yeah. uh, there is uh, there are lots of objects. Uh, mm -hmm. If you consider objects above one centimeter in size, there is a mm -hmm. million of them. And yeah. in space, things are moving really, really fast. Uh, yeah. around 16 kilometer per second or something like that. Uh, so something as small as one centimeter is enough to completely you know, disrupt a satellite. So okay. that is where the problem is. And among these 1 million objects, we have barely like 4% of them tracked. So the risk is very, very huge. Mm -hmm. uh, so that is where you know, uh, uh, it's, it's a very relevant topic right now to mm -hmm. try to track more and more objects with more and more accuracy. Because even yeah. right now, uh, the objects that are tracked, they are not tracked with the level of accuracy that mm -hmm. it should be tracked. So mm -hmm. we don't know exactly where they're going to be. And so that leads to a lot of uncertainty for satellite operators. Uh, is their yeah. satellite asset at risk or not? So mm -hmm. that kind of an uncertainty is created. So yeah, yeah like you mentioned, they are million dollar assets. You cannot just leave it at such high risks. So that's exactly. why it's becoming a more and more relevant topic since, mm -hmm. uh, you know, now we are launching, what, hundreds of satellites every year? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like I came to know like very recently that uh, SpaceX already have launched like around 56 satellites this year itself. It's already been like, what, half of the, six months now and it's already 56. So god knows exactly. and also like nowadays we are so dependent on all these uh, space-based applications if something happens to any of the space assets it's going to affect i don't know the national security if i have to speak from that point and also like anything like even your day-to-day -day telecommunications or network it's it will all be affected right so mm -hmm. when something hits on you with that kind of an impact of course, it's all the satellites and as space assets are very fragile. Also, it's not made of Superman stuff, so <laughs> definitely yeah. it will be uh, completely destroyed. So, right. I I totally resonate with what you mentioned, and like like I mentioned, so when I was working with Digantra only, I came to know about something called space weather. I only knew about tropical weather. I don't know and other weather that we usually say, but I never knew space weather, especially when space is considered as vacuum. How are we bringing this term space weather into it? Well, now I know what exactly is space weather and how it also affects space debris. But over to you, Anantu, to explain like what is space weather and how it acts on or plays an impactful role with the space debris issues. 
Yeah, so like you rightly mentioned, space is vacuum, and mm -hmm. uh, you know everything we uh, refer to as weather on Earth is related to the atmosphere, like the yeah. temperature, rain, winds. So when there's no atmosphere, then what is the space weather, right? So mm -hmm. in space, uh, what we have is mostly charged particles, radiation, and stuff like that. All of okay. this originate uh, from the sun and mm -hmm. from the you know intergalactic space. So, oh, you know, okay. sun is essentially a nuclear reactor. It spews out a lot of matter, radiation, charged particles towards the earth constantly. And okay. all of this is, you know, uh, interacting with the earth's magnetic field, which mm -hmm. is like a shield for us. So we are, you know, protected from a lot of this radiation because of this magnetic field. But, uh, you know, this uh, charged particles get trapped in the magnetic field and it creates a whole lot of, you know, uh, phenomena near okay. the earth in the space and on earth all of these mm -hmm. phenomena is collectively referred to as space weather so some of the effects of space weather will be in the form of you know the radiation experienced by uh, satellites the charging experienced mm -hmm. by them like the surface gets charged or in internal charging happens to satellites and things like that and even Ooh. on earth you see aurora that happens because of space weather the charged particles mm -hmm. interact with the atmosphere and you know you get these beautiful lights Mm. that's i mean the aurora part i didn't knew but it's really interesting to hear about it so next time when you guys see an aurora video or if you get to see it in real life lucky you uh then we know that it's relating to space weather and all these charged particles coming or affecting the earth's magnetic field and everything and uh, when it comes to space debris how does it impact like does it uh, affect the trajectory of the space debris or uh, you mentioned about how it affects the satellites and assets. So right. how come it's affecting the space debris? Yeah. Yeah. So so one of the effects of uh, space weather is that it affects the upper atmosphere. So mm -hmm. uh, it's not exactly fully vacuum in space. There is like a very tiny amount of atmosphere. Okay. And what happens is that uh, as the radiation levels from the sun changes, uh, mm -hmm. the atmosphere heats up and cools down and the density level changes up and down oh, okay. so mm -hmm. the amount of drag force that is experienced by the satellite it changes so oh. you know that the amount of drag force acting on it will affect the trajectory of it so oh. that's how space weather kind of acts uh, on the you know prediction of orbits of space debris and oh. uh, i think uh, last year or so uh, spacex lost like around 40 satellites because of this effect uh, there was a sudden solar flare and then the uh, atmospheric density suddenly shot up and the satellites mm. re-entered the Earth. So that kind so, of stuff also happens. Yeah, and uh, just so the viewers know, there are existing space debris tracking being done by different countries. And so from what I'm understanding from your answer is also that it's also inevitable to assess the space weather so that the tracking will be more accurate is that what you're pointing at uh, not tracking exactly uh prediction mm -hmm. so the prediction of the uh... orbit will know where they will be in a future time so mm. that will be more accurate the better you model space weather so that helps with the maneuvering of satellites or space assets before it actually hits your right. Right. end okay yeah. Yeah, that's that's so interesting. Even though I interned with them, it's always fascinating to hear it again and again about all these things. So, yeah, thank you so much for that. And before we move on to the next question, we have Space Wars Season 3, Episode 5, Would You Rather? 
and which is also our experts today's experts nightmare so before i when i approached uh, anantu about this particular episode the one thing he asked me is that can we not do that part where you go around asking questions to people <laughs> so we call it the hey. fun part i don't know where the fun is <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you for that <laughs> Yeah. well anyway you signed up for this and you have yeah. to do it so this is would you rather space for season 3 episode 5 and we are doing it with our expert for today mr anand krishna anand are you ready yep let's do this <laughs> okay uh, would you rather be the first human on mars or the last human on earth well uh, definitely the first human on mars it's very sad to be the last human on earth i don't want to be that Uh, yeah i mean even being the first human on mars you can always come back to the earth after the mission is done if i'm, I'm not like, wrong yeah, i feel like both are situations where you're going to die anyway <laughs> we don't wow know. the optimism <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, would you rather travel to the center of the universe or travel to the center of the earth definitely center of the universe uh, i'm not i'm a all space guy not very much interested on earth <laughs> Yeah, he's not interested in humans, people. He's interested in aliens. So anyway, in that case, uh, would you rather meet an alien or be an alien? <laughs> oh God! Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, if the alien is a very smart, uh, you know, intelligent uh, being, then definitely I would like to be that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not very much of a believer in that. There oh. might be life outside, but I'm not very sure about intelligent life outside. So if it's not intelligent I obviously I don't want to be that alien. <laughs> <laughs> But uh one of our previous experts who came to the show he mentioned that uh, all of us are aliens considering the whole universe yeah. like we are also technically an alien and yeah But come on so... we are talking so we know <laughs> what we are referring. <laughs> okay yeah would you rather be a martian or be a kryptonian? I know the answer for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely martian but mostly because i don't know anything about kryptonian <laughs> it's okay yep 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 uh would you rather choose to have the ability to be resistant to the space environment or the, have the ability to travel into space like superheroes i think if i'm allowed to break the laws of physics then definitely travel through space like superheroes you know at the speed I mean, of light i mean being a superhero is equivalent to breaking the laws of physics right. technically yeah. so i think that sounds fun yeah <laughs> uh would you rather get sucked into the black hole or float into the universe okay uh so i think i would prefer to get sucked into the black hole like uh, mm-hmm. floating into the universe is so you know boring there's nothing happening you know <laughs> I know it's a painful death into the black hole but at least you can see a black hole which is but, anyone has seen right yeah 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 sort of <laughs> would you rather have a holiday to the uh, to an unknown planet or take a scenic tour to the moon and back uh, am i going to come back from the planet yeah 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 yeah, yes, yeah of course the planet yeah. <laughs> i think we have seen enough of the moon right <laughs> right <laughs> Okay and the last one um would you rather freeze time or travel through time uh i i would rather travel through time uh mm-hmm. because that sounds more fun i can go back in time you know uh which is 
technically impossible considering physics uh i mean of course freezing time is also impossible but it, it just it just sounds more fun i can go back and you know test the grandfather paradox <laughs> okay i mean all that i hear when you know when you mention going back in time or travel through time is the series called dark oh my god that series was so messed up <laughs> anyway and uh, as you know and uh, my friend over here is a very good uh, keyboardist and he also plays guitar as well so i have a fun question for you anantu uh, if you know the answer act like you don't know the answer okay <laughs> okay um which is a planet that in the solar system that is related to music or like which has is, a uh, fine tuning this is like one of your dumb jokes i think of course <laughs> go ahead tell the answer <laughs> it's neptune oh god <laughs> okay next question <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for the motivation i'll keep on con- i'll continue doing this <laughs> sure <laughs> anyway so that's about with a fun session right now okay. and we will move on yeah good Yo, to know we are done <laughs> moving on we have the fourth question for this episode so we talked about space debris and how it is affecting and also about the impact of space weather on it but there is also something called space situational awareness ssa um so what is space situational awareness and how is it how is the ssa helping in dealing with space debris um maybe a little bit of connecting with what you are doing with the gantra as well yeah okay so a uh, space situational awareness essentially uh, refers to tracking all the objects in space mm-hmm. and predicting how they are moving that's what okay. we refer to as space in a silly way of explaining is you know from the term itself you know it's like the awareness about the situation in space where situation refers to yeah. all the objects where they are mm-hmm. like that, right so mm-hmm. um so essentially uh, solving the space debris problem is a complex one it's not easy to you know bring down all the space the first yeah. step towards that is to track them to know mm. where they are so that's where space situational awareness is you know uh, helping us get towards you know creating cleaner space mm-hmm. and uh, so at, regarding my work at digantara so we are essentially uh, right now uh, all this tracking happens from ground based systems using radars and telescopes what we are trying to do is something different which is we want to launch uh, space based sensors so we will be detecting mm-hmm. the space debris from another satellite so oh. so my work kind of uh, involves deciding parameters for the sensors and the orbits in which they are launched so yeah. that we get maximum amount of uh, you know objects detected and things like that uh yeah yeah and uh, space situational awareness also have a legal parameter or legal side to it as well like with the long term sustainability guidelines and other uh, let's say international policies and uh, law regime that helps with the responsible behavior of satellites or um, let's say space assets to reduce the formation of space debris in the future and also how we can uh, collect or track the existing space debris so maybe more discussion about this we will be doing in the next episode and you can definitely catch them on space from season 3 episode 7 and also um 
along with what Anantu mentioned, I think you guys are also building the first ground-based observatory in India for SSA, right, right? in Uttarakhand. So right. yeah, Dikantara is also coming up with an observatory in Uttarakhand for uh, tracking and detect detecting the space debris uh, that is orbiting around the Earth, and it will be in Uttarakhand. So hopefully, we will be able to see how it goes in the future, right? Yes. And our goal is to, you know, uh, not focus on one source of data because mm. no one single source of data can solve the problem. It's like okay. we need to get all kinds of data sources, ground-based, space-based, yeah. in different locations. We are kind of building a multimodal data pool, which mm -hmm. will, uh, you know, power this uh, space situation awareness solution. Yeah, so at the moment, there are only a few countries who are looking into tracking, tracking and detecting the space debris, especially, of course, US will be there for sure. And there might be a few other countries as well. So I think this issue needs to be uh, tackled together as a whole international community rather than a particular country, if I'm not wrong. Right. So there's, there should be a policy aspect to this where you know, all mm -hmm. countries get together and decide uh, ways to you know solve this issue. And mm -hmm. I think there are some, you know, existing uh, uh, policies, like when you're mm -hmm. launching a satellite, you're supposed to show that you can bring it down within 25 years, which I think yeah. right now is reduced to five years by FCC. Yeah. And, uh, and you have to also show that, you know, that your satellite is not going to just blow up or, you know, it's yeah. not going to throw some uh, object out of it and things like that. Yeah. So that, those, these are some ways we can, you know, using policy, solve some mm -hmm. part of this problem. Yeah, and I think this conversation that we're having about space debris is a timely conversation as well, especially uh, during the Chandrayaan launch. I think right after the Chandrayaan launch, there was a big chunk of space debris that was found in Australia, which is sort of mentioned that is from one of the missions that India conducted. So, yeah, of course, uh, these space debris definitely can fall into the earth and everything. So it's very reasonable for governments to work together and to solve, like you clearly mentioned, like to and to find ways to actually tackle this issue and find, a, I don't know, safe space for our space assets, <laughs> if I'm find, uh, terming it correctly. But yeah, that was a very interesting talk about space debris. And as we are moving to the final question for this episode, it's not exactly about space debris. It's more um, a very open-ended question, as I would like to call. So as you might have heard, Anantu graduated from the Indian Institute of Space Technology in Trivandrum. And like he mentioned, he did aerospace engineering. So from his academic uh, background itself, he has been connected with the space sector. And right after he graduated, he started working in the industry. And I'm pretty sure within your batchmates, there might be people who is currently working with ISRO as well, let's say government entities as well. So how is it like, like, now you're not a fresher, of course. You are two years into this uh, company itself. So, like, uh, so how is how was it like to be a fresher and just join into the space sector? And also, like, when you look into working in the space industry in India and also with the government, what are the pros and cons you see? And a few pointers for the young engineers who are willing or who are trying to get into the space sector in these days. Yeah. Okay, uh, interesting question. So, uh, you know, like, like you rightly mentioned, you know, IST is kind of well knit with the ISRO community. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we are uh, we have visited a lot of ISRO centers and mm -hmm. interacted with ISRO scientists. 
and yeah a lot of my uh, batchmates are isro scientists themselves mm-hmm. and uh, a few years back when i was uh, you know graduating uh, you know the space sector was not that much and mm-hmm. a, a space job would essentially mean isro for most people Uh, and okay. so it's kind of a scary situation if you graduate and you're not going into isro uh, but i would say that i was lucky to you know join a very mm-hmm. early stage startup startup uh, and uh, uh, yeah luck played a lot of role there but now the situation is kind of changed there are a lot of booming startups mm-hmm. who are you know hiring in a lot of roles and expanding rapidly and mm-hmm. you know the space sector is in india is going to you know go huge in the coming few years absolutely so opportunities yeah. are definitely going up significantly and uh, <clears throat> with respect to you you know the difference between the work in something like isro versus startup i think uh, what i would say is that uh, isro is a big organization and uh, mostly uh, i would i cannot speak for everyone but i've seen the uh, situation like uh, it is difficult to feel uh like you have ownership of the work that you do or feel like mm-hmm. you have a huge impact there because naturally it's a big organization which does a lot of huge things and you will be working on a very small part of it and yeah. that is something that you know most people might feel if you are working in a big organization but compared to that if you are in a startup uh mm-hmm. you will be having a lot more responsibilities you will be taking up a lot more things and uh you will be you know you'll feel like you are doing something huge mm-hmm. uh, you'll yeah you'll have a lot of lot more skin in the game as you say yeah yeah so that might be a motivator for some people but you know yeah. it depends on the person it depends exactly. on the industry exactly. it depends on what you're working on i cannot speak for everyone exactly. also right exactly and i i totally agree with you i think uh, isro of course the branding that it brings in you in your career or you know in your resume if you are working with them is definitely huge and of course working with a startup is also coming with a lot of risk as well especially with the current space ecosystem similar to that of india so yeah i, I think it, it's it's up to the individual like you clearly pointed out like how they want to see their career going going up and like which with which entity they would like to work it can be with isro it can be with a startup and of course currently in the indian government has also give, uh, come on, uh, come up with uh, the india space policy and they have actually brought in a lot of uh, opportunities for the indian space startups startups as well to engage within the indian government but also with other foreign entities as well so i think uh, the space sector is india in india is coming to a fruitful um, a domain or you know fruitful time at the moment so working with isro or working with a startup will definitely bring in you know whatever you would like to do within the space sector and yeah anyway thank you for that uh, very insightful answer actually and uh, also we have come to the last few minutes of this podcast for of this episode sorry of this episode and uh, at this moment i would like to mention that thank you so much anantu for agreeing to be part of this podcast and also yeah um sharing your knowledge working with your company and also about space debris and everything uh, we wish you all the very success and amazing journey for your future endeavors thanks a lot yeah. thank you for inviting me i genuinely had fun jokes about <laughs> yeah. yeah did thanks, you thanks did yeah, you have yes, fun I did. <laughs> yes <laughs> i did i did okay yeah yeah 
Thank you so much, Ananto. So yeah, we are almost wrapping up the season three, episode six of Space Moves. And until we see on next month, fourth Friday, you guys keep smurfing. Till then, bye-bye.